Hey guys, um, this is Mr. Norman again, and this is another podcast. Um, this podcast is a little bit different. Um, we're starting week three, uh, August 19th through the 23rd, uh, covering phrases and clauses. This is just an extra podcast to help um, any of the questions that I'm seeing and to kind of go over the, the actual quiz in a little bit more detail. Um, you'll notice that I do have another podcast, it's a longer podcast, um, for the entire month, because the entire month we're covering uh, phrases and clauses, so I try to cover um, the general ideas, but I, I, I think that it would help to have another podcast to kind of break down this quiz, and to show the expectations, um, to show you what I'm really looking for, and also uh, I have embedded in this one some of the extra credit that I will be covering um, because if you're taking the time to watch, to listen to this, uh, I want to make sure that I, uh, I help you out. And I think what I'm giving you, um, will help you out as well. <clears throat> so throughout this, I will let you know what, um, what are some of these going to be the extra credit, um, questions, possibly the extra credit answers. So, uh, please listen through and, uh, it'd be a great way for me to know who is listening and who is not. Again, this is definitely not required, and uh, neither is extra credit, so it kind of goes hand in hand. So let's get started. Um, I've opened up the grammar quiz. I'm looking at it right now, and um, of course, this is week three, August 19th through the 23rd. Quiz will be on this upcoming Friday, the 23rd. The uh, first question is to create a phrase, then change the phrase into a clause. Well, you know, we've been talking about what a phrase is and, and what a clause is, and most people are, are understanding that a phrase is just simply a group of words that does not have a subject performing a verb. It can have a subject, it can have a verb, but it doesn't have them both together. Um, when you create a subject and a verb, it does change into a clause. So, you know, you could do something as simple as saying, walking through the park become is a phrase, and then put, uh, John is walking through the park, that changes the phrase into a clause. You could go into more detail, but the goal for this question is just for you to be able to understand what a phrase looks like and then what a clause looks like. So if you're writing a paper and I go, okay, well, that's a, that's a phrase, we need to change that phrase, or that's a prepositional phrase, or that's an appositive phrase, you know the characteristics of a phrase. So for that number one, I'm really just concerned with that you can take a phrase and you can change that phrase into a clause. Um, and also that you can take a clause and change a clause into a phrase. And you know, and you would take out the subject and verb um, to create that phrase. So that's really the basics for number one. It's not super confusing, I hope. I've seen really good answers. But just know that I just want you to be able to go back and forth between phrases and clauses. Number two, what is the purpose of a subordinate conjunction? List five subordinated conjunctions. Again, if you've already studied this, this should be a pretty easy question because last week you had to list um, subordinated conjunctions. Well, it might have been the week before. Um, you know, again, what is the purpose of a subordinate conjunction? The best thing to do is if you're confused on a particular idea and the website has not shown enough or if the my podcast aren't explaining enough, jump on the internet and do some do some research. Um, to me, what I did is I just go to Google and type subordinating conjunctions, and the first one that pops up, uh, I'm using Firefox, is uh, www.chompchomp.com. 
uh, it's a great website. It's a great grammar website. Um, so if you click on chompchomp.com, you can get a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of information. Um, and basically, you know what we've said before, and I will kind of read over this. If you didn't get a chance to go to the website, I'll kind of read it and explain it. Um, the idea for subordinating conjunction is really for two things. One, it automatically shows you that that sentence is complex because a complex sentence has to have a, um, a dependent clause. So since they have to have a dependent clause, they have to have a subordinating conjunction. So that's a great way to know that you're creating complex sentences um, because you do want to vary your sentence lengths. And when you use complex sentences, you're using two different clauses, uh, and that forces a sentence to become a little bit longer. So the one thing that a subordinate conjunction is used for would be to show that sentences are complex. And that's something we haven't covered in class. So if you write that down, that shows me that you are listening to the podcast. So that would be one kind of a neat way for me to know that, oh, okay, they listen to it. So again, it's one way to show that a sentence is complex. And also, what it does is it wants to show you that there's a transition between the two ideas in a sentence. We always said this transition will indicate time, place, or cause and effect. And we talked about that with subordinated conjunctions. Every one of them either is going to describe the time, the place, or a cause and effect Okay, of that particular sentence. One thing else that it does, um, and this is we haven't really covered um, you know, another job of subordinating conjunction is to reduce the importance of one of the clauses so that the reader understands which of the ideas is more important. Okay? Um, the more important ideas belong in that main clause or in the independent sentence section. The less important is going to be introduced by the subordinating conjunction. Remember we said things within commas become non-restrictive, which means if you take them out of the sentence, it still makes sense. Um, if the subordinated conjunction, um, what it does is it lets you know which one of the clauses is the least important because it's adding information. Okay, um, If you're on chompchomp.com, you can scroll down a little bit and you'll see uh, this sentence. As Samson blew out the birthday candles atop the cake, comma, he burned the tip of his nose on a stubborn flame. Okay, that beginning section in blue, as Samson blew out the birthday candles on top of the cake, that is the subordinating, uh, subordinating clause, and that's, that's the dependent clause. Because if you take that part out, and you see, and you just have the rest of the sentence, he burned the tip of his nose on a stubborn flame. Well, that's a regular sentence. So taking it out is okay. So that beginning where it says, as Samson blew out the birthday candles on top of the cake, that's it's dependent on explaining the rest. It is telling, is it telling when? Is it telling where? Or is it giving cause and effect? What do you think? It's giving the cause and effect. After he did this, something happened and he burned his nose. So again, it is it does help the sentence and it gives it more information, but you could take it out and the sentence would still make sense. So the main things that subordinating conjunctions are designed to do is to show you that a sentence is automatically complex. It is designed to give you that transition to show you that there's something happening within that sentence. There's a time transition, there's a place transition, or there's a cause and effect happening uh, in that longer sentence. And the last thing is to show you that there is 
one clause more important than the other. And the least important clause is going to have the subordinating conjunction. Um, we talked about how to punctuate them correctly. Um, we know that if a um, complex sentence has the dependent clause in the front, it has to have a comma after it. If you look at uh, the example a little bit lower on the chompchomp.com, it says, when the doorbell rang, comma, Nikki slammed shut her textbook and rose to pay for her, for her pizza. Because it started with that dependent clause, it had a comma. But if you flipped it over and started the sentence with the independent clause, you don't need the comma. So if you switch the sentence around and said, Nikki slammed shut her textbook and rose to pay for her pizza when the doorbell rang, you don't need a comma. And that's what a lot of people missed this last, um, this last quiz, is that whenever they saw a dependent clause, they put a comma next to it. Um, you need to know that if you start the sentence with an independent clause, you don't need the period, you don't need the comma. You only need the comma if the, if the sentence starts with the dependent clause, okay? Um, and this is one of the questions um, that I'm going to ask for extra credit. So if you're listening, yay, um, hopefully this will help you. Um, if anything, it will show me who is, uh, who's listening to these. So punctuation does get tricky when um, a subordinating clause begins with something called a relative pronoun. Okay, um, relative pronouns, um, the main ones that you're going to hear about are who, which, and where. Okay, uh, which is the W-H-I-C-H, not the person with green legs and a broom. So I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about. Um, relative pronouns, who, which, and where. These words basically are pronouns that are telling you who, who or what something is, but it doesn't give you exact information. Okay, um, they're relative because they're talking about a person, but we don't know exactly who or where that person is. And what I want you to know is that when you use a relative pronoun, um, when a subordinating clause begins with one of them, sometimes you need a comma and sometimes you don't. Okay, the, uh, the question for extra credit will be, um, what is the type of pronoun that sometimes requires a comma and sometimes doesn't? Okay, it'll be some, I'll, I'll fix the, the I'll rearrange the, the wording, but it'll probably be when a subordinating clause begins with this type of pronoun, sometimes you'll need a comma and sometimes you won't. And you need to be able to tell me that they're relative pronouns. Okay, uh, the next extra credit question will be for you to list three of the major relative pronouns, which will be who, which, and where. Um, you don't need to be able to write them correctly, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, I do want you to be aware of them. When you see them, okay, that, that might be a comma, it might not. Uh, and it has a bunch of details that go on why it is, but honestly, I think that usually you'll be able to figure it out. So again, the, the two extra credit questions will be um, when a subordinating clause begins with a blank pronoun, Sometimes it will have a comma and sometimes it won't. Then the next question will be list three of the blank pronouns. So that will be something that I will definitely know who listened to the podcast and who didn't. And at the very end of this podcast, I'll probably ask you another, I'll probably give you another extra credit question. So let's keep going. Um, if you're on chompchomp.com, 
Um, I hope you are, because this is a great website to show you what I'm talking about. Um, with these ideas of relative pronouns, um, you need to make sure that if what that relative phrase is describing, if it is essential to the understanding of the sentence, you don't need a period. You don't need a comma. Remember, commas are designed for things that are added. Okay? They're not for things that are essential. So if you look at toward the middle of the page on this chompchomp.com uh, subordinating conjunction site, it says, Nick, Nikki paid the delivery man whose rusty hatchback choked and coughed in the driveway. Um, the delivery man is a general noun. Okay, we don't know which one we're talking about. The relative clause where it says whose rusty hatchback choked and coughed in the highway, it clarifies the person that we're talking about. That's why it doesn't need punctuation. So again, the sentence would be, Nikki paid the delivery man, that's the, sub that's the independent section, whose rusty hatchback choked and coughed in the driveway. That whole, uh, that whole relative clause, or it's also a relative subordinate clause, whose rusty hatchback choked and coughed in the driveway, we, that is essential to know the person that we're talking about. We're not just talking about uh, a delivery man. We're talking about a specific delivery man who had a rusty, rusty car. Okay, That's why it's essential. And that's why you would not have to have a comma. Now, if we if we switch the sentence around and said Nikki paid Fernando, comma, whose rusty hatchback choked and coughed in the driveway, uh, that's non-essential. Okay, it's it is still a dependent clause, but is not essential because we know the person's name's Fernando. The rest of it, whose rusty hatchback co uh, choked and coughed in the driveway, we know that that is just extra information. It is non-essential. If you take it out, it's still, the sentence still makes sense. He paid Fernando. We know the, the exact person that, he's, that we're talking about. Okay, like I said, this is not a huge thing, but I do want you to, have, to be able to understand the idea of relative uh, pronouns and how they can be used to create complex sentences. Okay, so there's two of your um, extra credit questions done. I'm going to jump back to the, if I can find it here, we want to jump back to the quiz. Let me jump back and trying to do three things at once here, so forgive me. Okay, let's go to the study guide. Okay, so we went through number one. We went through number two, and again, what I'm looking for is the purpose of a subordinated conjunction, the three main things. One, to show that it is a um, complex sentence. The other two, I want you to see if you can remember. So, uh, give you a second to think about them. Remember, to show that it's a complex sentence. The other is to show what? To show that, once, that one of the clauses is more, um, more important. Or that it, one is more what? Okay, I just gave you a second to think. Uh, this, remember, the second job is to show that one is more important than the other. Okay, one has more um, importance than the other. And the last one is to provide a transition between the two ideas. And those transitions are time, place, and cause and effect. Um, so please be able to understand and note that the transitions are a time, place, 
or cause and effect because that's going to be the main thing that we're looking for. Okay, so we're at number three. Uh, create two complex sentences, one with a dependent clause at the front and the other with the dependent clause at the back. Um, we've talked about those. Those are the two ways to write a complex sentence. If you put the dependent clause at the front of the sentence, you have to have a comma after it and then the independent clause. And if you switch it up, um, if you put the dependent clause at the back, um, you do not need a comma. That's going to be the main thing that I'm looking for is if when you write your independent clause first and then your dependent clause, I don't want to see the comma because they don't need them. Okay. So we've covered one, two, and three. Uh, number four, do all dependent clauses start with a subordinating conjunction? Why do you think so or think or not think so? Well, answer is yes, they do start with uh, subordinating conjunctions. Um, why do you think so? Well, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, the beginning of a sentence or the beginning of a clause. That dependent, that subordinated conjunction is is the the signal that that clause is the least important clause in the sentence. I'll say that one more time. Um, the reason the dependent clauses start with a subordinated conjunction is because that subordinated conjunction shows you which one of the clauses is the least important, which is always going to be the dependent clause. Okay, we talked about it in class that you are dependent on your parents for living and for, for food because you can't afford to do it your own. Um, dependent clauses are dependent on the other clause for them to make sense. Okay, so the answer, you know, why do you think so or not think so, it says your opinion. Um, if you can give me your opinion that states why you do not think it is, um, I will definitely look at it, but I think it would be hard to explain. So uh, for number four, do, they, do all dependent clauses start with subordinate conjunctions? Yes, because they are, um, it's the, they are used to show the least important part of the sentence. Okay? Now we're at number five. Um, create another question for this quiz that I can use next year. Um, this is really important for me. I think that you guys creating the questions are a much, much better way to understand the content. Um, and this is another extra credit opportunity. Um, for your number five, if you can use the word relative pronoun, or somehow if your question deals with a relative pronoun, I will give you another extra credit. Um, but you have to come up with a question. Okay, and you have to have the answer, and you need to be able to have that answer um, shown on your paper. So I told you the other two, and this is the third question. Is and I won't really, I won't put this one on the paper. This is one you'll just have to know. So when you're creating a question for this quiz, if you can, um, if you can use the relative pronoun idea in your question number five, that'll be more extra credit. Okay. Well, I think that about covers everything for this um, for this week. If you have any questions, of course, let me know. Um, and please do me a favor if you listen to this, um, please do not tell everybody else the uh, the extra credit questions. You spent the time to listen to it, and um, I want them to be able to listen to it as well. So um, again, I won't know if you do or not, but I, I like the honor system, so I uh, I trust you guys. So uh, I hope this helped to make sense and. Good luck on the quiz.